This hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to the There It Is podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for being here. Also, big thanks to everyone who has subscribed to the newsletter already. If you haven't subscribed, do it. It's designed and tailor-made for you. People who are pursuing comedy get some life tips to help you do that a little bit easier. And the link for that is in the bio. We are in the fifth week of the book giveaway. We have four more weeks, including this one. And uh, from four more books to give out, check out our social media to find out which book we're giving out this week. All right, before we jump into today's episode, just a couple of things to mention. Number one, I think today marks the day of Napoleon Dynamite. Be, having come out 15 years ago. It's like it's 15 year anniversary or something like that. Isn't that crazy? That movie was one of those movies that really defined things in such a way. And now we're 15 years away from that. Uh, we're, we're getting older and I don't like it. No, it's fine. Also, good news. The house team that I am on, Sweetheart, at the Magnet Theater was renewed for another season. And for those of you who don't know, uh, most improv theaters run on a seasonal basis. Our season runs every six months. And then uh, people audition and teams get cut and uh, some changes happen. And we got renewed for our third season. So that's great. Uh, Very excited about that. Today's episode I'm very excited about giving to you because it's with one of our favorite improvisers here, and she's so great. Her name is Eleanor Lewis. She does a lot of great things. We're going to talk about all that, so let's just jump right into it. Here's my chat with Eleanor Lewis. You do a ton of things. I feel like this is one of the things I like about you, and it's something like one of the first things I notice about you is that you have a big interest in sports. And you also are in programming? Yeah. Or is it design? Programming. Programming. I'm and a front-end web developer. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you can draw, do you paint as well? Or is it yeah, most? Yeah. yeah, and you're athletic, you do all these things, and then you're great at improv and you teach it as well. Like, obviously, there is a pretty quick pivot from doing improv to teaching improv, but... The other things aren't necessarily uh, categories people jump off into when they also do comedy. Uh, at least not all of them. <laughs> they <laughs> yeah. might do one of them, but you do a few. I think that's great. Uh, and it made, when I was thinking about this interview, it made me wonder where comedy came into your life. Because I could see you being someone who was drawing as a kid and not cracking wise all the time. Oh, what yeah. was I mean, what, what were you doing as a teen? Were as you, a teen? Yeah, were you I doing not, comedy? Were you no. performing at all? Yeah, <laughs> I I'm was not, not not at all. As a, <laughs> as a teen, I just did, I did sports basically. Uh-huh. Um, I uh, you you were a wrestler in yeah, high school. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've done your homework. Well, I just know you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've done your research by having previous conversations <laughs> with me. Um, yeah, I did. Uh, I was a wrestler in high school. I did loads of sports. I also played soccer. 
dabbled in ultimate frisbee and track um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i drew a lot yeah like, i was really into that uh yeah, it seems like there's so many people who do they do sports and then like when they're doing organized sports that can be so involved oh it's so time consuming it's right. like your whole life right it's just that and then like when studies get around yeah <laughs> then you do that when as you're well. forced to do schoolwork, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then you have to do that but to also be artistic like i didn't i didn't come up with people who were doing both of those things well there's a few we're there's there's dozens of us <laughs> absolutely dozens um i'm honestly surprised that there aren't more mm-hmm. um why do you see that because I think creative disciplines and, and sports have a lot in common in terms of just, like, oh. having to have this, like, very singular task focus. Yeah. Uh, and Having uh, a routine is good. A routine is great. Uh, ability to uh, uh, put yourself through some delayed gratification. Yeah. I think that's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think that's one of the things I love the most about improv is that <laughs> there is no delayed gratification. It's just, like, yeah. it's so immediate. that <laughs> 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 You never have to wait even for a second. Maybe that's a bad thing about improv. I don't know. Maybe it makes you lazy. You know, I do see how that can be the case. Um, I When I was doing stand-up and improv, I felt, uh, every week, I felt pretty on top of things uh, comedically. I felt like good lines could come to me quicker doing improv uh, because I was writing jokes with stand-up. And then my stand-up improved because I was looser and I was able to go with the flow of what happened and, and be more spontaneous. But now that I'm pretty much only doing improv, um, I find myself going down a completely different avenue. And I'm not even trying to like make the quick one-liner or anything, which isn't necessarily the best thing to do. But being able to do it can come in handy. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I think that... I mean, that's like the, really, the, the kind of magic thing about improv, where it's like you can kind of do it for its own sake, like improv can be the thing that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the same vein, uh, it can also help you as sort of like a means to an end. It works kind of both ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and doing improv, I think, like, you know, it's notorious, right, of the thing of like, <laughs> oh, get better at public speaking, like get confident right. in front yeah. of people, do better learn presentations. Learn how to work with people. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Learn, you know, listen. Like, don't, you know, don't get so married to your stupid ideas. <laughs> and that's all totally true. Yeah. Um, but I think, like, particularly if you have one of those delayed gratification type art forms, like even stand-up comedy, which is pretty close, like, mm-hmm. um, of, of all of the, like, <laughs> scripted theater forms, I feel like stand-up is the quickest cycle from writing to receiving adulation should you be getting any Mm -hmm. um even that uh benefits from like cultivating like actively cultivating the mindset of being in the moment Mm -hmm. um and being like flexible and reactive Mm -hmm. and and being able to sort of like uh move past how precious and careful you are with your own ideas Mm mm-hmm there's something kind of interesting about the difference between stand-up and improv in that improv can seem lazier because you're just going and doing a show. You're not preparing in, in a, like, like what comes out of your mouth is, isn't something you prepared and honed. Whereas stand-up is all about honing and, and <laughs> planning ahead. It seems very organized and like you're on top of it and tactful. Um, but... 
what turns out happening is that improvisers seem a lot more organized as people than stand-ups tend to seem. <laughs> stand-ups come across as the lazy people so often. I don't know why that is, but... Well, I think it's a stand-up... I mean, this is kind of a stereotype, but most stand-ups are like kind of a mess, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is... Even stand-ups say that. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. Maybe that's unfair. Maybe that's an unfair thing to say. <laughs> But uh, so far, it is comedians in general. True. I mean, com- <laughs> comedy attract messes. <laughs> true. Um, so, for your background, when did comedy come into it? Was it college? Uh, so, uh, actually, when I was in middle school, this was like a summer, mm-hmm. one summer. Um, there, uh, in the town that I grew up in, Pelham, New York, mm-hmm. there, uh, like some neighborhood mom knew this guy who was a, uh, um, like a Mormon traveling improviser, I guess. Okay. She just knew this guy and he came and he ran, a, an improv workshop in her backyard for like local kids. <laughs> And uh, the first summer that, like, I did it, I did the first session of it that was offered, um, and I was the youngest person by, like, a couple of years, so I think I Which was, is a like, lot at that age. Right, so I was, like, 13, something like that. Yeah, yeah, so, like, um, eighth grade. Yeah, that sounds right. So, like, probably going into eighth grade, and then everybody else was in high school, I yeah. think. There's such a big difference between an eighth grader and a tenth grader. Yeah, so that was kind of bananas for me. Um <laughs> And it was just like all short form, really, really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a, like a, a show on the, like on the porch at the end. <laughs> it was like uh, it was a big, silly, fun time. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And it was great, and I loved it. It was so much oh, fun. Oh, cool. Uh, and then I uh, thought, like, oh, maybe I can do this whole like theater thing. Maybe that'd be cool to do. <laughs> uh, and I went and I auditioned for. I would have been after seventh grade because I went and auditioned for a play in eighth grade. Did not get cast. And I was like, eh, maybe not. <laughs> eh, I guess I'll just give up immediately. And keep going with wrestling. Keep and- <laughs> going with the sports thing. Uh, and that's what I did. Until uh, I got to college. And I, uh, they had like an improv club. Mm-hmm. right? So I went to their like workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, I started going to like the rugby club and the ultimate frisbee club. And uh-huh. basically... Uh, the <laughs> the improv club was the first person to like first person first group to like officially accept me as uh-huh. part of their like performing troupe and not like uh where like the, the the frisbee and the the rugby people were still like okay like let's figure you out a little bit first uh and the improv people were like sign sign our sign you up <laughs> right now we accept you and i was like i love acceptance and i hate rejection so i will do this right now that's all there's so much I want to hear about about all of this. Number one, so you're wrestling and you did rugby for like three practices. Okay, so rugby was three practices. Wrestling was a lot longer. Did yeah. you did you wrestle in college too? No, no, no. Okay, uh, I yeah, I I don't know if I could have even. There wasn't a wrestling club at the college I went to. Mm-hmm. Uh, for all I know, there wasn't even a team. And if there was, the lowest weight class in college is 125 pounds, which mm-hmm. I'm like several pounds shy of anyway mm-hmm. so even soaking wet yeah <laughs> exactly so i would have been at a uh, mm-hmm. drastic disadvantage that would not have been any fun mm-hmm. so. so my question and this i guess isn't it was a bigger idea when 
uh, I thought you did rugby for a couple years in college. But now that it's you know only about the wrestling, how do you not have bad ears? <laughs> <laughs> because everybody who did I know, wrestling a yeah. little bit. I mean, I wrestled for five years. Like, yeah, that's what, a long school, time. Through high school. Our coach was really serious about making us wear headgear. Mm-hmm. He was like very, very. He was very protective of us. He made sure like we had you know antibacterial soaps to wash with. Oh, interesting. Like, yeah. uh, and he doesn't want to stick a cauliflower ear. Yeah. The reasons being, he doesn't like how cauliflower ear looks. Yeah, well, yeah. It makes you look like a jabroni, basically. <laughs> um, and uh, he's like, you'll it'll make it harder for you to like get a job or whatever. And then mm-hmm. two, uh, if you have an infected ear, you can't wrestle. Because it is an injury. Yeah. And if you get a skin infection, the same thing. Mm-hmm, He's like, mm-hmm. do what you want on your own time, but you can't, you're not allowed to do a single thing that could possibly <laughs> sideline you for a match. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, a good coach. Good coach. Yeah, yeah, very conscientious. Yeah. I appreciate that he did that. And, I mean, I've heard a lot of crazy stories about wrestling, about, like, what people would do to make weight. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Someone told me that they would, like spit a bunch of times every day so they could like lose weight. It's like what? Yeah, that's a that's a classic move. I actually I did that a couple times where mm-hmm. you're like, I really need to lose just a couple of ounces. And the <laughs> quickest thing that I can think of to do is mm-hmm. just chew some gum and spit. Because <laughs> okay. it weighs it it has weight, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, I'm trying to lose weight, so I guess I'll just spit. Oh, I should also say that that is desperately unhealthy. (laughs) No one should do it. No one should do it. (laughs) Okay, so uh, you're in college, and you join an improv group there. Yeah, the No Parking Players at Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. (laughs) That's your pitch. Yeah, (laughs) go check them out if you're there. And what was the name of the group again? The No Parking the Players. The No Parking Players. Yeah, terrible name, but whatever. Well, it's a college team name. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. What is a good college team name? Uh, there's no good ones. Exactly. If they have a good name, they're probably insufferable. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> <laughs> they put way too much time into it. I, so this is where you met Peter. Your, oh, yeah, yeah. Your my, other uh, half. My, <laughs> <laughs> your, well, I mean, your, your BFF for my years. My BFF is, have lived together for close to 10 years now. Yeah, yeah we met like the first day of orientation. <laughs> uh, we lived in the same dorm building. I was on the seventh floor. He was on the third floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, I got him into improv. He started doing oh, it okay. after I did. Oh, okay, um, okay think he started going uh actually i I, i've lost track of the timeline but i know i was i went first (laughs) (laughs) and you lured it over i lured him in (laughs) i think that i was i was performing when i was uh in my freshman year and he was performing uh once he was a sophomore i think okay sophomore fall Mm -hmm. that was Mm -hmm. his big debut so he's kind of like the martin short ear steve martin Sure. In a way, yeah. <laughs> That's how I'll <laughs> help the listeners. Yeah, this is to an, get a normal 2019 <laughs> reference to make. It is because they became more of a pairing in recent years. All right. Oh, <laughs> sure. I mean, it's not like I said it's peaches and herbs or something like that. Uh, peach and herb. There was only one herb. There were several peaches. <laughs> That's an old 70s <laughs> duo uh, singing group. 
It was like a, I believe you. They did that song. You've heard this song, Reunited, and it feels so good. Yeah. That was Peaches and Herb. Oh, cool. And uh, anyway. This <laughs> see is what an I'm entertainment saying? podcast. But you see, it, it is. Yeah. But you see, this that is an older reference. That doesn't work. Okay. <laughs> you are right. The, the Steve Martin short one. That, that the Peaches and Herb <laughs> reference did not work. <laughs> you are right. <laughs> So, so you started then that, and while well, I mean, you had a taste of it, and yeah, I high, acquired the taste school. for yeah. human flesh, and I was like now insatiable. Right, right. That's why I very good analogy go on with a improv. Of um, <laughs> but when you got out of college, did you come right to New York? Uh, yeah, so I grew up near New York. I grew up in mm-hmm. Pelham, mm-hmm. Pelham, New York. Uh, small How far town, is that enough? from here? Not, I know it's not far. Uh, but... It's a cool 30 minutes on the Metro North. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, great little town. Not much going on, but That's still... nice to get to a place where there's not much going no, on it's, sometimes. It's a, it's, a, it's a lovely, weird little town. Yeah. Um, I could talk about Pelham, but it's just, it's, it's weird. Um, <laughs> but lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what was the question? <laughs> oh, did I come straight here? Right. Yeah. Right. So I, uh, yeah, I, I came straight back because I was like, why would I go anywhere mm-hmm. else? There was a small period of time where I was uh, thinking about staying in Pittsburgh, but I got a job in New York first. Oh, so, okay, okay. Yeah. And did you immediately start doing improv here or taking classes or anything? Uh, not right away. I it was like a couple month break. Um, mm-hmm. It's like it was after the first summer because uh, over the summer I had like more friends who had like summer internships and mm, were mm-hmm. uh, back in the New York area because they were back from school. And then they all went back to school. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm very alone now. <laughs> uh, and suddenly it was just like me and my job and I wasn't particularly friends with anybody at work. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter was still up in uh, Massachusetts. Oh, he's he had, a year behind? No, no, no. He just had, uh, he'd gone home uh, to uh, Massachusetts. He oh, grew okay. Up. So I was just like, you're really um, here alone, yeah. Yeah, and then my brother went to college, mm-hmm. so uh, I was just like me by myself. Uh, <laughs> and then I was like, you know what? I should just, I should just fucking do some improv. Just, <laughs> uh, just sign up for some improv. So I did my research. Mm-hmm. And I did the math. <laughs> got out my calculator, and I, I thought that the magnet theater, and this is true is the uh, quickest and most economical way to become a performer in the city. Oh, because of the lag time between someone finishing classes and getting on a team? Or do you just mean... I mean, like, end-to-end, assuming that everything oh, okay. goes, like... Oh, I see, I see. Yes. Yes, because it's... Okay. Um, I want to know a little bit more on how you broke it all down. What were all the stats that you were using? <laughs> oh my here? gosh! I and there were a few theater. I mean, it, there was Magnet, there was UCB, there's Pit, and at that time was uh, Annoyance around. Ah, uh, not really, not mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. So it was Magnet, UCB, or Pit. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to a Magnet free intro a little while ago, mm-hmm. run by Rick Andrews, great mm-hmm. guy. Yep. Um, he talked about the classes. I asked. Um, how much does it cost altogether to mm-hmm. get on to a house team? <laughs> and he gave me a number, and I said, that sounds like bullshit. Uh, <laughs> I went to a couple pit drop-ins. Um, didn't super enjoy them. It was, mm-hmm. like, it was like, okay, but I, it kind of made it so I was like less excited to go there. Mm-hmm. Which I think is a very yeah. unfair assessment, by the way, to be like judging a theater by its drop-in. <laughs> right. I... 
I've loved a lot of shows that I've seen there. They're primarily like sketch shows. And I've done, I love going to the pit oh, and doing pit's, shows. Pit's great. I have I just, no uh, idea I, what their curriculum is. I, I, I judge them based on an unfair criteria. Oh, yeah, that is an unfair so criteria. That's, but it's, <laughs> it's what I was using. So. so there's that. And then I looked at UCB and I looked at like basically how stringent it is mm-hmm. uh, and the so many people there at that point their price point was much higher than mm-hmm. the other uh schools mm-hmm. magnet was still charging like 75 dollars less per class mm-hmm. um so i like did the math i was like okay chances are you have to you have to do these advanced studies a bunch of them at ucb so you're probably going to take the same amount of classes before you get on a team same deal with pit um but i didn't really like their class so i don't really want to go so if i do the math uh, I'm also having a hard time signing up for a UCB 101 because I hadn't figured out how to like sign up for the Twitter bot yet. Yeah. Um, so I just like did that math and I was like, Magnet seems like the most hospitable of these places. <laughs> well, that is the funniest answer I've heard to why people paid Magnet. That's honesty for you. Yes, but I mean, there's so many people who are like, well, I like the community. and uh, How can you possibly people... like the community before you started taking classes? I think it's because they... Those people are liars, Jason. They took a couple of classes and then, you know, I was like, why did you keep taking classes? Yeah. <laughs> why did you Well, honestly, do... like once I started, I mean, there was, there was a part of me that was like, okay, I'm going to start at Magnet and if it's like... Uh, keep like looking, it, keep looking at like yeah. UCB 101s and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like once I started taking that magnet level one, I was like, I'm not going anywhere else. This rules. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it seems like a good fit for you. What teachers did you have when you came through? Did, was Rick your level yeah, one? Yeah, Rick or was my level, level one okay. teacher. Um, I had Rick for level one. I had uh, Lewis Kornfeld for level two. Mm-hmm. I had Alan Fessenden for level three. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Took a handful of level fours at various oh, times nice. and then of course peter mcnerney just mm. like everybody else yeah you get to that level for listeners who don't know um level five and level six are the conservatory and it's also insane when you describe this to people because it really throws into a lot of stark contrast how much it is kind of a pyramid scheme i mean that's one of the things that everyone said about it. it's just like you do get to a point well, what's the like, well? A pyramid scheme is when you bring in other people, isn't it? But you do, you do, mm-hmm. you bring them in to see your shows. Oh, and then they say, "Does this look like fun to you?" It is. <laughs> Check out magnetheater.com, magnettheater.com yes, for information on classes and shows. Yeah, that, I teach those classes. Sign up for them. <laughs> I'm at the top of the pyramid scheme or near it. You teach them until this interview comes yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna get fired. It's gonna be awful. <laughs> Um, yeah, okay, that is every, I guess, everything. (laughs) (laughs) I also have some really great knives that I want to sell. (laughs) Cutco knives. Yep, they're high quality. I've used them and they actually are good. Yeah, they have a great warranty. Mm -hmm. Jason, you want some knives? (laughs) We don't need any. Oh, actually, no, we do need a new knife. Uh Aha. Unless the knife man comes around to sharpen knives. That's a real thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I saw it. Again, <laughs> it's 2019, Jason. I don't know if you know this. That is very 1950s. The knife grinder, the knife guy... grinder has not been around in decades, I would say. No, I've seen two different guys here since moving here two and a half years ago. <laughs> two knife grinders? No, no, no. I've seen just two guys. Uh, there's one in a has a, a white van, another guy has a black van, but they're both like... They have knife in their name. I don't remember it. Okay, this sounds normal. 
And they were they were playing. So it looks just like an ice cream truck. And the music they're this playing is, is worse. very similar. They have similar. music? Yes. The Knife Grinder Man has music? Yes. And this so when not- I heard it, I was excited because that was the ice cream truck. <laughs> so I turn around. And, and then, then there's I a saw legion of people running down the street. Knives, knives in, in each hand. Sharpen my knives! <laughs> well, I thought it was ridiculous. I was like, who's using this? And people actually use it. It's insane. I I haven't seen it in a while. I haven't seen it all year. Yeah, because you're sober now. <laughs> no, but Chet Siegel even posted about it on her Instagram. Ugh. So other people have seen it. <laughs> this is madness. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I'm hoping that tomorrow when I see your team perform. I'm going to hear about some nice man stuff. Yeah, you're going to come see Sexy Baby at the Magnet Theater. You stand up in the audience, brandish a knife. Like, I got the shark by knife. the truck. <laughs> Everyone around you will run. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm a, but I'm a good guy with a knife. No, but there is a... Uh, the only thing that can stop a bad guy with a knife... Is a good guy with a knife. A good guy with a gun. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> that's true. Can't bring a knife to a gunfight. Unless you have a gun that shoots knives. Now you're on to something. Now that's what policy is made of. <laughs> anyway, we were talking about improvisational comedy. We were, and um, the you you exposed it as a pyramid scheme. I guess that's I should, a little I should better clarify, than... it's not actually a pyramid scheme. <laughs> it just it just seems like one. Yeah, I mean like so many schools I I the reason it doesn't um, give me the heebie-jeebies is because the scams are the things I, I've seen this so much where it was a some kind of talent agency or supposed talent agency and they're talking about how they're going to do a modeling show and then like you pay to be in the modeling show and then they say they're going to be all these people who can hire you and you'll get hired you can start making all this money and I've just always known that was a phony baloney thing you can't pay attention to, but people fall for that, and it is a complete scam. Yeah, I and I've even seen that with like be a bartender and make X amount of dollars yeah, a night, like hundreds of dollars a night. Yeah, sell nail polish, work from home, <laughs> right? Send me right. your social security number and your address. <laughs> and I'm sure like some people do that with Cutco as well. But yeah, uh, I think the thing for me, because you know, I said that you know I'd taken the level one with Rick, right, and mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, I was like, this sounds like a scam. <laughs> what I think... You did ask him a question that can't have a good answer. Oh, no, no, no. There's like, there's no way. <laughs> okay, how many, how many, how much money am I going to spend before I get on a house team is a terrible like, question. At minimum. <laughs> <laughs> um, the thing that sort of, uh, it changed me very, very quickly from being suspicious to being very excited. Mm-hmm. Um, was one actually going out and seeing shows at specifically at the Magnet Theater because mm-hmm. uh, I'd seen shows at UCB before mm-hmm. and I'd seen a couple shows at Pitt mm-hmm. um, and I hadn't seen anything that got me really, really excited. But I saw some shows at Magnet that got me fucking amped. Oh, where wow. I was like, that is something I cannot do right now as I am. No way. Wow. What What did you see? Um, I saw an old, uh, it's like one of the first shows I ever saw at Magnet. Um, it was on a night where it was like pouring rain. Uh, and there was a, uh, uh, it's like a, 
a leak like on the stage like pouring just like pouring water onto the stage so like they had to um they had to like unplug all the power supplies to the lights because they would they would have shorted out and been destroyed Mm -hmm. so um uh it was back when they did revolver so it was hello laser and the boss Mm -hmm. the boss went first and they did a show where for the entirety of the show they were just sitting around talking uh, it was just people talking to each other, creating this. Lewis like, Cornfield was on that. Show. Yeah, yeah, the, the <laughs> yeah. Lewis Cornfield, Lewis Cornfield, and the boss. So, yeah, um, they, I'm not surprised here. That yeah, they did. Uh, Chet Siegel was on the scene at the time as oh, well. So Leap her back. So she great. could give us more knife information. Um, <laughs> but they they physically mopped the stage while they did their set. And oh then wow! They, they were it was just like this. They did a show. It was really really good. It's yeah. the first time I'd seen a show like that. Um, they finished mopping the set. Lights went out, and then Hello Laser did a show where they lit themselves with flashlights. Uh, and I'd also never seen anything like that before. Yeah. Um, and it was really good, really playful, super dumb. Uh, and I was, like, so excited by it because I was like, this is impossible. There's no way that, like, if you put me or anybody that I know in this situation, we would not succeed at this. Mm-hmm. Like, there's some real shit here to, right. to learn. There, I don't know anything about Hello Laser. I know about people who run the boss, and I know how great they are. I never got to see the boss, um, unfortunately. Rip. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. They'll do another last show soon enough. <laughs> um, I saw. I had the similar experience though when I first saw Magnet, and it was Magnet Touring Company. It was Rick and Chet, and they blew me away. It was a phenomenal show. I, I just did not know how they did what they did and i had been doing improv um at least a year by that point and doing stand-up for five six years by that point like it was um not probably four or five but nevertheless i saw them and and had already been blown away by improv before which made me want to do it and take classes so to get my mind blown again was kind of unreal for me and i was like magnet theater i'm i'm going there one day yeah um yeah and so like you know i saw that so that's uh, the same experience you and like yeah going through level one and then particularly in level two Mm -hmm. um uh being like every single thing that i'm learning like every class feels worthwhile uh Mm -hmm. like if that's the case like if this is the trend i cannot wait to do the rest of this yeah uh same experience because the, the yeah. process ended up being so satisfying yeah that like uh it it you know i still like i had the goal of like performing and like succeeding but the process itself became a really big thing for me that i was like very much enjoying mm-hmm. um and then i stopped being like a scam started being like yes scam <laughs> <laughs> You yes-handed the scam. I yes-handed the scam, <laughs> like all good suckers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what became your... Uh, I'm interested in your you hearing you talk about your philosophy uh, when it comes to improv. Ooh, baby. Because <laughs> you oh, aren't teaching, boy. so you've definitely thought about this, I yeah, imagine. I'd say extensively. Uh, yeah, yeah. When you approach improv, uh, whether it's at the top of the scene or just going into the show before it's even started... Where is your head at? Like, how do you try to uh, approach or attack a scene? Wow. I I say attack because you're a wrestler. (laughs) Yeah, because I respond to aggression (laughs) in a very positive way. Uh, 
I think, I mean, that's changed for me over time. Mm -hmm. I think, um, especially when I was like rounding out the end of the magnet curriculum, Mm -hmm. um, I had a very sort of like control oriented mindset where I was like, I want to like have a, I want a sense of like what my resources are and what my moves are and like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how I can sort of like go with it. Um, excuse me. (laughs) But uh, I think lately, and something that's been really fun for me, has been um, moving towards more of like, uh, like a, a, not in, not not a sense of intentionally trying to do something like wrong, mm-hmm. but um, I've I just like don't want to let myself be bored. Mm-hmm. Like I don't I don't want to let myself get into the habits of being like, oh, I know what this scene is. Let's just let's just do this scene you know Mm -hmm. like oh this is the scene where like you're my mom and i'm the kid and i'm having trouble at school let's just like Uh go through it right i just i want i want to let me surprise myself even if it means like making the scene harder or weirder or potentially unsuccessful uh Hmm. i just don't want to i don't want to do the same scene i've done before i think that's my main thing right now that's really cool. And it matches what I know of your improv. Um, so I'm not surprised to hear that. But your moves, while they are not like the common moves someone would make, they're also, they they seem to fit so perfectly into what's going on. Right, because I'm, I'm messing up at my stated goal, obviously. Well, no, I don't mean that. I'm not like... I'm not saying like, oh, I can see someone making that move. But at the same time, it's not like a weird move that throws things off kilter. Right. I mean, I'm still striving to do like basically good improv. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You're really good at the math of comedy. Thank you, Jason. (laughs) (laughs) This is mostly what happens on this podcast is I just compliment people Gosh, a bunch. I should have. Uh, I'll be back next week. It's rules. But for real, I mean, there's so many times where you, you make a move where it's like, ah, I had forgotten about that element and you brought it back and used it in such an interesting way. You do that all the time uh, with ADX, but that form really lends itself to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that has a, that's one really nice thing about the Armando Forum, which mm-hmm. is like, because scenes are so dis- disparate, if you can pocket one idea and just bring it back later, everyone mm-hmm. just loses their fucking minds. It's, yeah. so, it's so fun. It seems like magic, even though it's sort of like, I was talking to Justin Anderson about some hilarious thing he said at the end of a scene, and um, a bunch of things had been said by everyone else. <laughs> But then he said something, I was like, that killed me. And he was just like, yeah, the whole scene, I was expecting someone else to say that. Because it was a callback. Yeah. <laughs> but he was like, all these people went and didn't say that. So I was just like, all right, <laughs> I'll say it. <laughs> Guess then. I'll go now. <laughs> that is also very Justin. Yeah. Yeah, he's Politely also waiting for someone else and then being like, well, I guess I'll go. Uh, he is. He's, he's also someone who's very good at the math of, of improv and comedy. Yeah. And it's, it's, oh gosh, I don't, I'm not saying I'm bad at it, but I do get inspired when I see you and Justin because I want to do it on that level. Yeah. But I, sometimes I, I, I try to get out of my head with that stuff sometimes because 
maybe the reason I'm not doing it is because that's just not the type of brain I have. Like, I have a different kind well, of approach. My thought is that you kind of have to just do both things at the same time. <laughs> like, you you have to simultaneously... So I have to be better than I No, right, no. <laughs> I think it's, like, it's... I think it's just, like, genuinely... It's a skill. Like, it's a capacity mm-hmm. that you can build. Right. Where you simultaneously do the scene you're in right now mm-hmm. you don't care about laughs you don't care about the audience you don't care about the future they don't they can fend for themselves mm-hmm. like you do not give a shit at the same time you're also thinking about the future and you're thinking about what's been said and what needs to be said mm-hmm. and where we're going mm-hmm. you have to do both at the same time it's so and weird I think the um uh, I think like the uh, a really really good um, analogy for it is uh, do you know the uh, the the book The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss? No. All right. Uh, so here's another thing I like: fantasy novels. Uh, this is fantasy novel The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. Mm-hmm. It's about magic, whatever. There's <laughs> wizards, and the way that <laughs> the way that wizard magic works in this world mm-hmm. uh, is. Uh, you have to uh, understand, like if you want to make a, an, a, a rock fly, like mm-hmm. levitate, you have to understand what a rock is, down to its atoms, like what it's made of, how gravity affects it. Mm-hmm. This is a thing that cannot fly. You have to understand that and believe it completely. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, also believe with total sincerity that it will fly. Oh, wow. Both things at the same time. Total mm-hmm. contradictions. Mm-hmm. The stronger a wizard is, uh, the more contradictions they can hold true at once. I think this is also true of an improviser. Yeah. <laughs> the more contradictory things you can believe at the same time, the better you can do. Yeah. I think that that's like basically what it comes down to. It's so weird that like you have to basically chill out and kind of get out of your head to be in your head the right way or yeah. to be in your head well. And it's so weird. Like you ultimately do have to be in your head. But you also have to be told to get out of your head. You have to do both. You have, you have to, to do both. <laughs> it's like a, yeah, it's, it's a dance. You gotta like check in sometimes mm-hmm, and then get mm-hmm. out again. Yeah. And like, even beyond that, that's just like two things. You know, you have mm-hmm. uh, in your head thinking of ideas, and then out of your head being in the moment. But beyond that, you have what's the shape of the whole show? Like, if you're not doing right. something like a Harold, or if you have another goal in mind, mm-hmm. what is it? And then if you have no goal in mind, you have to think, what is the goal that we're finding? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, you know, on top of that, you have, like, your teammates. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are, you know, you're an actor working with other actors, mm-hmm. but you have to consider your relationship between them as a human being and also your character to their character and you to their character and all of these, like, these, like, tangled Tough web things. of associations. Yeah, it is a tangled web. And it, it's they're all contradictory. Yeah. <laughs> you can't be like, uh, yes, and let's keep the reality, mm-hmm. but also we're actors. Right. But you have to. You have to. <laughs> you have to. Or you could say something as a character that's an awful thing to say, and then you see your scene partner feel like you're calling them out or saying <laughs> something. You're trying to needle them, and it's like, I'm not. <laughs> I'm recognizing both things at the same time. It's a weird headspace to get in but you get into it the more you're on stage i remember reading in steve martin's born standing up talking about the first time he noticed everything that was going on in the room as he was also telling his jokes and trying to do his act and knowing what he needed to do next and knowing the rhythm he needed to do it and knowing the space he needed in order for it to land uh and and taking it all in and it's a very sort of like 
uh, I guess when a person in an old eighties movie is learning karate and then it finally all comes together and they see everything. Yeah, and they like the punch goes by their face in like slow motion and you see like their eyes track the punch. <laughs> and then they look before the punch even comes back, they like look back at the person. <laughs> yes. And you're like That's they're it. in the matrix. <laughs> exactly. That moment I remember when it happened to me on stage. I was still living in South Carolina and I was doing stand up and I was like I'm noticing everything that's happening right now and I'm adjusting to it while also being mostly focused on telling my joke. And improv, you have to do it, you have to do the same thing, but in a weirder and deeper way because you're consciously aware of the physical bodies in front of you and in the audience and the response that you're getting from them and from uh, your scene partner. But then you do have to think about what is this piece that I'm in? What does it require? Like that's a whole other level that you don't always have to think about when you're doing stand-up. Yeah. You generally don't have to think about when you're doing stand-up because <laughs> yeah, you've already written the part. jokes. You know what order you put it in and, and everything. But when it's coming to you in improv, you got to think like, okay, so what kind of scenes have we seen so far? And all this kind of stuff that like, how do you balance that? But it's you you have to balance yeah, that. You, you got to get your mutual that. contradictions going. Yeah. I mean, that's what Peter was teaching us in the conservatory is like, what is the piece telling you it is? And I love that he was teaching that um, because I hadn't really heard that before, even in, in books I was reading. And it's it, it was so obvious, but I had never heard that before. Um, and it's it's such a necessary part to having a good set. Yeah, I think it's um, it is kind of a downer when you're seeing a show where it's like, oh, this is going particularly well in this mm-hmm. like one exact direction. Like, oh, wow, this is in this show. Um, every scene so far has been about like loss, <laughs> and uh, yeah, cool, interesting. Uh, and then you, like that is fully abandoned by mm-hmm. the time you get through your second beats because they're like, well, we need to heighten the funniest thing about this, and loss isn't that funny, right? It's tough to do. What do you think would help people develop that on stage ability? <laughs> <laughs> Some of it to me is being kind of a smart person, being a learned person. I think like reading books, not improv books, but just like fantasy books or yeah, whatever, yeah. just like reading other things, taking in other things, I think helps you sort of connect more dots on stage because that seems to be a big part of it. Is, is just sort of recognizing, oh, this show is about this when you break it apart. like Or this show has been a lot about loss, like you were just saying. Like, I think it takes somebody who is uh, kind of living a more full life or hearing a bunch of different thoughts and reading a bunch of different things, taking in a bunch of different things to get to that place on stage. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely agree. I... Uh... One of the <laughs> one of the worst and best things about improv is how consuming it is. Yeah, because it can really it can it can take up a lot of your uh, mental energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, improv it it, it it requires that you do other stuff in yeah. order to work. Yeah, because if all of your if the only reference point you have is the thing, then you're basically just working with like bits of popular culture plus the thing itself and that is sort of like terrifying like snake eats its own tail kind of thing yeah 
you get uh, into a bubble. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know. Yeah, it's a bubble. That's right. a much more succinct way to put it. It's like yeah. a total bubble. Mm-hmm. Where you have, like, what a scene is supposed to sound like, but ultimately the meaning is just not there. Um, I think in terms of what you can do in order to, like, get to specifically work on that part of it, mm-hmm. I think, like, the most important thing that you can do is find a group of people that you trust and work with them. Oh, interesting, yeah. Because uh, it's impossible. A lot of improvisers, and I don't think that this is controversial to say, really like it when people think they're funny. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, (laughs) comedians in general are like, I really want people to think I'm funny and good. Mm -hmm. Um. And that is kind of an impediment in mm-hmm. a lot of ways because it means that uh, your priority is never trying something difficult or strange. Yeah. It's getting people to laugh at you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is kind of stunting. That's like a stunting oh, idea. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you can easily fall into a uh, doing something hacky just to get the laugh. Yeah. And I think like... Um, uh, uh, even, even beyond just like doing something hacky... Uh, Doing things that are funny and good and totally competent and not hacky, but just like the same, mm. uh, 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 reliable. Mm-hmm. Doing those things, you never have to try and introduce a new contradiction. Right. You know, you, uh, and I think what that requires is a group of people who are trustworthy, who you like to be around, who you like working with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you are you are comfortable failing with uh, because uh-huh. a lot of groups of people it's like oh I, I would I'm, I'm fine working with you as long as things are going well mm-hmm. but once you start failing a little bit or like struggling a little bit the yeah. the whole dynamic changes because <laughs> they're pointing fingers yeah exactly yeah uh, because if you want to try something you are not good at and something that makes you uncomfortable. You will fail. Yeah, yeah you're <laughs> going to eat shit. Sometimes. And you have to eat shit you for a while it. If you in don't, comedy. Yeah, it, it takes that little bit of failure. And those failures are not even that comprehensive in improv. Mm-hmm. They, are, they, they come and they go. It's so fast. Mm-hmm. It's so, so fast. Uh, but for a lot of people, I think standing on stage in front of people and having them not laugh and continuing to do what they do just to see what they can get out of it while the audience is not laughing mm-hmm. is like the most horrific set of circumstances that yeah. you can think of. It's like the, the screaming in your brain becomes so loud that you can't do anything anymore. Right. I think the only way past that is to work with people that you trust yeah. and that you like. Yeah. If you're not comfortable getting nothing while you're on stage, you have to be able to rely on the people around you. Yeah. And they have to be able to rely on you. And if you're too in your head because you didn't get laughs then they're not going to be able to rely on you. Yeah. Look, you can see it. um, uh, You can see a team split, you know? Mm. Like, uh, do do you like bake at all ever? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, so it's like, have you ever made made whipped cream? No, I haven't. I've seen someone make it. When you're whipping cream, there's a moment where it's perfect, Mm -hmm. and then you go a little bit farther, just a couple beats more, and then suddenly you have butter and uh, skim milk yeah uh and it is disgusting um <laughs> you can see teams split like that oh interesting. where you apply just that that extra little bit of stress on stage and you mm-hmm. can see them just like come apart yeah um and they, it's like they start bailing on each other it's sad and i think 
And this is why this analogy is really good. <laughs> Jason, listen up. You can fix that mm-hmm. by slowing down. Mm-hmm. Slow things down. Absolutely. Add a little more cream mm-hmm. and just very, very gently recombine <laughs> that butter and that milk mm-hmm. to make your whipped cream because if you continue rushing and running apart from each other, uh, you, you're just split. Like it's a disaster. But you can't take that moment to slow down, I think, unless you are actively with people that you trust, that you have sought out and that you want to be with. Mm -hmm. Because slowing down is the hardest thing to do on stage. Like, I'm sure even from stand-up. Yeah, especially, well, with stand-up, if you have a lot of jokes you're trying to fit into the time that you have, you can end up kind of, like, going so fast. But you do need to take a beat. You You don't want to step on your own jokes. Yeah. Um, when it's a show, when it's an improv show, then it's kind of about like, I feel like this is a good time to just talk about working on relationships too, to bring that into the fold. Because so much of that, so much of what I'm hearing is like, oh, the fix for that is the same fix in a marriage (laughs) where they are not trusting each other, not, not working well with each other. Um, and it's because they're jumping to conclusions, they're rushing to ideas that aren't necessarily there, just making wild assumptions about what this person's doing, what they mean, assuming that the person is out to get them. Like, all that sort of stuff comes into a team fold when things aren't going well. Yeah. It's like, well, you start doing this, or it's like, oh, why, you know, or they just assume that you're going to start blaming them. I mean, it's, it, the, the choice, the right choice is to slow down. And say, like, okay, what happened? Just what happened? And then we can figure out how to move forward. But if you don't slow down and you don't see where you are, then how can you do anything when you don't see where you are? Yeah. Well, you know, you just keep running and screaming. <laughs> you can do a show with flashlights. Light yourself on fire. <laughs> oh, yeah. Be like, I don't know why they did that, but it was bright. <laughs> and I'm paying attention to it. <laughs> um. How did this, well, let me rephrase. When you started teaching, how long have you been teaching? A little over a year. Okay. And how do you, when you, and maybe it's just different at Magnet than at other places, but when you're approaching becoming a teacher, how do you fold all this into, or or any of this into it? Because obviously, like, you've taught... Level two and level it's one? Level three, level three. Oh, level All three. Way, yeah. Oh, okay. So you can kind of get into some of this stuff because <laughs> it's a more advanced class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you laugh to... with the sinister laugh. <laughs> Take my class, I'm fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Um, Do you think you're a mean teacher? Oh, I wish I was a mean teacher, but I'm not. I'd like to think of myself as a real, like, fucking ball breaker, but I absolutely just am not. Uh, (laughs) I wish. Um, Do we have any ball-breaking teachers at Magnet? No, everyone's so nice. Yeah. Like, I'm sure some people think Peter is, but Peter's just, like, so nice and just, like, really kind of just describing what happened and saying where that sort of thing can go wrong like yeah. it's still like it's just like in in comparison is, to how like, kind and sweet everybody is right oh, wow peter's so harsh it's it's like, a, he's well, the most he direct literally noter. stated a fact without any affect so yeah i think he can give the most direct note about something because like 
sometimes something in a scene can go wrong and people won't necessarily point it out as directly. They'll kind of talk around it in a way that helps everybody. Yeah. Um, Peter's, I think, what I one of the things I like about him being at Magnet is that he will talk directly about it because sometimes you need that. Sometimes you need that direct, like, uh, here's why this scene didn't work or here's where things got confusing as an audience member yeah. when this was said because what happened before that did not precipitate that statement. You know, like, whatever. Like, people weren't listening <laughs> or or whatever. Like, whatever people need those notes. Yeah. You don't give those kind of notes? No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you just see you're me just not a ball class. Okay. Uh, no, well, I mean, the thing is that like not everybody um, in a class, right? Mm-hmm. Level three class. Mm-hmm. You've been doing improv for at a minimum four months, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But that might be it. That might be the minimum. You and you don't know that. Like, mm-hmm. uh, not everybody comes from a theatrical background, right. which means that they're not used or to getting theater. Yeah. Yeah, but I think even even you know more importantly, like. No, it's not for certain that people have like been in plays or worked with a director. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is a very personal thing to get notes on your performance. Uh, and people might not be used to it. Right. That's a really good point. And uh, it is imperative more than anything else that your your students feel comfortable enough to continue being vulnerable mm-hmm. around you. Mm-hmm. Um, if I think my my greatest fear is that I would tell a student something that would make them shut down and not want to uh, just, like, do the simple process of getting on stage and sharing with the class. Mm-hmm. Because you could totally... It's easy. It's easy to do that, to, like, be cruel to people. It's so easy to just be mean. Yeah, and it happens at but some why, other <laughs> Like, why would you want to? I know. Is my thing. Like, there's... There's other better ways to teach people rather than just like keying into their endorphin response mm-hmm. and potentially just alienating them. Mm-hmm. I think that's like a, a that's an invalid way to teach. I I agree. I and it that makes so much sense. And I didn't think about it because I I don't necessarily come from a big theater background, not compared to other people here. But I have done a couple of plays and. Um, I was somewhat in the theater department in college. And I like direct notes. I like it when somebody says, hey, this part didn't work because of X, Y, Z. But I'm used to that. And you're right. Most of the people aren't necessarily coming from that world. So they can't necessarily respond to that well. Well, I don't know if it's that they can't. I think it's that they're not ready to. Oh, that's true. It's that they're not, they're not, like, I think they're incapable. (laughs) (laughs) I just think, it's like, it is a big mental shift to go from being, like, every single thing that you do is valid to Mm -hmm, some things mm -hmm. that you do while valid could have been stronger. Right. And, uh, I think that a lot of times what people think of as being, like, like oh that was like the mean t-shirt that really like changed my life and like really like got into the nitty-gritty and changed how i look at things i think a lot of times i was just a person who made you feel a bunch of like adrenaline right. because they kind of got in your face right uh and the the like the fight or flight response that you had ultimately turned out in a positive way mm-hmm. but like i've i've had this experience my myself sort of like where i had 
this is a this is a good story. This is a happy story. <laughs> I had a, a teacher like in elementary school who mm-hmm. I thought was amazing. She like really pushed me and um, uh, sort of like uh, changed the way that I kind of looked at school mm-hmm. rather than being this kind of like trivial chore like thing. It's something that you can like uh, you can get value out of. Um, and not just in terms of like the grades that you get, mm-hmm. but for I and I didn't find this out until like later. Other students in that class had a miserable reaction to her because the way that she pushed some students mm-hmm. worked for them, mm-hmm. me, but for other students, it made it so that they hated everything and they oh, were wow. incapable of learning in that environment. Wow! And I think that that is important to realize. It's like just because the suffering worked for you doesn't mean that it works for everyone, That's and that doesn't mean true. that they're too weak to uh, absorb education. That's mm-hmm. just like that. I think that that's like a lazy way to look at teaching. I agree. There was an experience I had in college where a teacher sort of did more than she ever did with anyone else the entire semester. And other people were like on my, like did that to me. Um, and I wasn't super mad. I was a little annoyed because she kept, she was belaboring the point. But I was, I was sort of like by the time, it was over. It was sort of like, all right, whatever. I'm moving on with my day. Um, but the class ended and all these people are like, I'm going to fucking complain. For four, you know, they're like so mad on my behalf. And I was like, whatever, guys. I'm not upset about this. <laughs> but you're right. People do have to like, it depends what works for the person. Like I heard this about Coach K where um, a lot of people think with like a basketball coach. Duke? Yes. Great. <laughs> Do not like... Uh, no, no, no. I'm just making sure that I understand. Your references so far have been, like, really accessible, so I just wanted to make sure that I'm, like, on this was not some random... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Coach K that nobody knows. Um, <laughs> no, Coach K from Boise. No, um, <laughs> no, he... Uh, someone was... My brother was telling me that um, Coach K would sort of... Uh, adapt to the way that particular team was, ment- mentally speaking. And everyone assumes that a basketball coach is just like screaming all the time and cussing them out in the in the locker room. My brother was like, you know, there there was one team where he could do that because it would fire them up. Yelling at them fired them up. But there was this other team that he had that if he did the same with them, they would have cried. Like the team would not have responded to it well. And so he didn't do that with them. <laughs> You know, and it's such an obvious thing, I guess, of just like meet people where they are and speak to them the way they need to be spoken to. It seems very, very obvious, doesn't it? It's not obvious to people for some strange reason. They just, I think it's all them just saying, like, well, this is how I am, or this is how I teach, or I'm right, or whatever. But, you know, people need to sort of understand where you're, (laughs) the point you're making, if you want them to take the note. Yeah. I've just heard a lot of bad teaching stories. Um, <laughs> I at, mean, at everyone's had bad teachers. Uh, that's true. Um, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm just thankful that we haven't, <laughs> I haven't experienced that here um, since moving here. And I didn't experience that back home either. Uh, I, I, there was like one guy who wasn't at my theater who people would say was kind of like mean or whatever. And then I would see him coach or, or teach and i was like he's just direct <laughs> he's not he's not insulting anybody he's just being honest yeah and it's it was kind of refreshing that that he was doing that because he was talking about things other people were kind of like too 
I don't know, uncomfortable giving notes on, I guess. But um, there are a lot of things that people have to think about sometimes. And how are they going to think about it if you don't tell them? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's tough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's also not an easy gig. Um, I feel like we could talk a million more hours. Probably, yeah. (laughs) I talked to Robin a few weeks ago, who's your teammate. Robin McNamara from mm-hmm. Sexy Baby at mm-hmm. the Magnet Theater every single Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And um, she was explaining uh, a little bit about how your team works as far as on stage. It's like sort of taking what is given and not judging it. I do want to talk a little bit about that before we go into the end and try to create something. Because I would I would hate to not talk about Sexy Baby with you. Oh. Um, so it's a team that's been going on for... It's like close to three years. Yeah, okay. Like so it's, Which um, in improv years is like infinity time. It's six seasons. Yeah, it's a that's long, That's a long time. time for a team. Um, at least at our theater. Yeah. Um, I don't know at other theaters. Uh, how long have you been on? You were added to that team when it already existed. No, I was a founding member. Oh, you were? Yeah, I was one of You those. were added in the sense that... I was added, added in the sense that <laughs> okay. at a certain point the team was cast. Okay, okay. And that I was there. What a great team. I mean, it's been it's I one of our, our like juggernaut teams. I love them to death. Um, a lot of great people mm. have come through. I, I think the thing that's really nice, and this happens, I guess, with other teams as well, but I've seen it the most with Sexy Baby, is that people who have moved on and left the team, have come back several times and played. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little while ago, Will Jacobs, Will Jacobs came through and him. thought he would just watch the show. And he's like, yeah, I came in. I'm excited to see the show. And we're like, false. <laughs> That's wrong. You're in this show now. <laughs> yeah. And um, Tim Dufresne. Yeah. He oh, was uh, awesome. in town recently after, yeah. you know, because he had moved. And uh, I think Katy Berry has jumped on a yeah, show yeah, especially our our weekend shows. So like mm. when we get to do uh, a, like a, a an hour long show, mm-hmm. um, that's sort of like uh, de facto an open call to all fourteen possible members of Sexy Baby. Right. I hope one day we get all fourteen. That would be pretty great. That would be pretty great to just do the whole hour. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> bless them. It would take two teams of seven. You know, <laughs> that, could, that would work. Um, so when it comes to your team's philosophy, like how, how did it grow? Because it's a really good unit. And even though you've lost people and added people, um, it's it stayed the same as far as voice as a team. Like team voice, I feel like it's the same in a good way. Yeah. Um, I think the thing for us that is the most important is like, yeah, exactly what Robin said. It's just like, total uh unjudgmental of acceptance mm-hmm. like um the the shit we say yes to on stage is so stupid like <laughs> so the thing is like this team everybody on this team is like super smart every right, single right. person mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um that's why i'm not on the team yeah <laughs> not because you're on your own successful team with its own very particular aesthetic <laughs> sweetheart everyone stay at the magnet theater uh go see it uh yeah like we we're all we're all smart people like Mm -hmm. um and i think another sort of important thing about sexy baby is how many members of the team are like married and have other shit going on in their lives yeah everybody has other stuff going on Mm -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. that's also very important yeah i mean you've got peter yeah that's my main other thing that's (laughs) i got in my life it's all like my job (laughs) everything else that i do um 
but like we all have a a, a deep and varied well of mm-hmm. just like whatever we're bringing into the theater on that particular day <laughs> and none of us are ever going to say no to any of it that's it's such a great team i mean like in so many different types of thinkers but it's not a mess you all it's and it's because of that because you all are just accepting everything and appreciating <laughs> it's very that like, person. Uh, in the avengers you know like that's my secret captain we're all a mess. <laughs> We're always a mess. <laughs> a, the uh, an augmentation of the Hulk's line. Yeah, so like how he did. Yeah, it's like, my secret cat. I'm always. I'm always angry. angry. Like that. That's the reference. Yeah, it's from recently, so you might not have gotten it. I'm the one. Who... <laughs> oh my gosh! You know, Martin Short and Steve Martin started <laughs> performing together more recently than that Avengers movie. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. <laughs> so when it comes to how you all developed your voice, I mean, obviously that's something that just develops over time, but also there's something that's a little ineffable about it. And also it's not like a team can just point to like, this is what we're going to be and just be that. It's, it's just what you all were together without yeah. a controlled sort of way of getting there. I mean, I think it was basically like, I mean, to a certain extent, it's like, oh, yeah, obviously this was going to work. But mm-hmm. when they put the team together, the powers that be at the Magnet took Katy Berry, Fred Erfer, mm-hmm. Darrence Washington, and Will Jacobs, four of the most insane people that I've ever met in my life, uh, and said, okay, the people balancing them out are me, Christina, like Tim Dufresne and Jonathan and, Demuth, who are also insane. Like we are yeah. all also fucking weird. Jonathan's super good and has such a presence on stage. Yeah, totally. And like I think, but it's good. and Rob Pinty was in a in a no, no, no. He member? was a, a, a he was an ad. He's a third season ad. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. Fun fact is after Demuth moved. Um, really, I did yeah. not realize that. Okay. But, um, yeah, I think like, that has a, a big thing to do with it. It's like they just took a bunch of people whose natural aesthetics are, like, kind of weird. Just, like, weird. <laughs> We're all a little weird. Um, yeah, okay. In a good way. In a weird, good way. I, I, to me, weird is good. Um, but, yeah, in, in, but, like, Kyle on the team now. He yeah, has, like, perfect fit. Like, right. Total fit. Oh, gosh. he's Exactly. When he, when he was added to the team, I was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Um, and uh, even, you know, I feel like Sexy Baby is very split between, like, insane people and the quote-unquote normal people who are supposed to keep them in line. But I think the secret of the team is that the, the like, the, the babysitters have just as much fun, like, putting, oh, yeah. like, putting glue in their hair and, like, yeah. eating the towels as <laughs> the insane people do. Yeah, I think I think Christina certainly has a sort of demeanor about her that seems like she's going to be the babysitter that keeps. Yeah, and then she like, ends up make insta- sure everyone going to bed at the same she time. She instigates the most insane stuff exactly. of anybody. Yeah. Oh gosh. Um, I, what it sounds like is it takes a lot of self confidence, but also confidence in your teammates. Yeah, I would rather have confidence in my teammates than in myself. <laughs> Why is that? Like, I mean, if I'm fucking up, at least they're great. Yeah, yeah, okay. You know? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and nobody wants to be get the Kobe sort of stigma put on. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's got several stigmas that nobody would want. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> as far as a on court. Yeah, on court stigmas. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think like you know, let's stick with some sports metaphors anyway. Why not? Like uh, uh, like a Wilt Chamberlain. Like a real Wilt Chamberlain. Going you want to just have just... a fuck ton of sex. Um, <laughs> like mostly that's your goal. Um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna get fired. Uh, <laughs> uh, so team sports, you uh, you know, you have like your role, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But the reason that you do your role is because of how it fits in with the team. Exactly. Uh, you can't, like, you, no individual can do everything on their own. Right. Um, Unless you're Magic Johnson. Or yeah. Or like Diego LeBron Maradona. <laughs> some soccer references, so I understand what we're talking about. <laughs> That'd be really good. Um, but, like, when you do things on your own, everything gets weird. Mm-hmm. Uh you have to do what you do because of how it fits in with the rest of the team. Yeah. Um, and to have total confidence in yourself, I think, is less powerful than to have total confidence in the you that's part of the team. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love the way you put that. And it was such a huge relief when I realized that I didn't have to be like the other people on my team. I just had to do what I, I did. Um, because they're just different positions. Yeah. And you're playing a different position. And that's fine. Your position is great. You're good at it. So just be okay with it. Um, all right. I like that. I like that. Let's move on to creating something together. Great. And um, I don't know what came to mind for you, if anything came to mind for you. But for me, what came to mind is uh, sort of broadening your horizons somehow. Um, but I feel like I often do this on the podcast where it's like, let's just talk out something. Um, what's something more active we can do? Something more active. So you're a teacher and we're also talking about like accepting, I guess, somebody's weirdness. Weirdness. Are there exercises that someone can do in a class setting that could, (laughs) do you, do you try to work that into people's Tool belt? I mean, sort of. I, I try to encourage people to see the improvisers that they may consider to be destructive weirdos as delightful weirdos instead. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Exercise-wise? But you don't have an exercise for that. Sorry. Hmm, no, don't be sorry. We could... I don't know if there's a warm-up we can do. Maybe we could do a warm-up. Or a scene. Or... Is there something not related to comedy that is jumping out to you? <laughs> yeah, but it's a drawing game, so it's worthless on a podcast. Oh, what is this drawing game, though? I'm just curious. Uh, you ever you ever play a... Oh, God, what are they called? Immaculate Corpses? Yeah, is that the thing where you, like, fold a paper yeah, in half yeah, yeah. and somebody <laughs> draws one part? And then the next person draws the next part. Yeah. There's also a version of, a sort of similar version. It's a game called Eat Poo, You Cat, which is uh, somebody draws a picture and then uh, the next person writes a caption, folds it over so you can't see the picture. Then you mm-hmm, draw a picture mm-hmm. of the caption so you can't see the caption, write a caption, and it's like, transforms. Hmm. We could do that. 
Yeah, and then we just have to describe mm-hmm. <laughs> describe the content to the podcast. That seems normal. Or we could post it in the blog for people. Um, <laughs> actually, wouldn't be against that because I've done things that were better seen than heard. All right, we could play eat poo you can. Yeah. Um, let me get a piece of paper. Great. I'll just sit here. And a couple of pens. <laughs> and I'm not supposed to see what you're doing. And you're not supposed right, to not see until, We've got a couple of papers, pieces of paper. We've got pens. All right, so. And so, what am I, direct me here. What do I do? Do I uh, need to write something or draw something? Oh gosh, this actually, <laughs> this actually might not work with just two people. Hang on, no, no, I need to make this work with just two people. <laughs> you have to, you'll have to pretend like you don't know what happened on the other parts of the paper. Okay. So like just fold it and. So, you know, let's just do immaculate corpses because oh. eat poo, you cat's not going to work out. <laughs> okay. That's fine by me. So basically, it's a three-part drawing. Mm-hmm. Uh, draw the head and then, like, little necklines. Uh-huh. And, and then you draw the body, like, coming out of the neck and leave, like... Right. And so like I, a, a, I like, shouldn't see what you're doing. So you're going to draw something. Yeah. And then you do you do the same. So you draw... Oh, head. I'm going to draw... Yeah, yeah. We'll do two. We'll do two. Okay. And I'm going to describe what I'm drawing as a number. <laughs> Do I need to do it on a, a certain portion of the page? Not really. Uh, just like the top third. Okay. I guess. Okay. I've drawn something. <laughs> okay, and then just make sure that the little necklines show past. Oh, okay. Past the edge of the paper. So that when you pull um, it over, you see the little like... Oh, I didn't draw the whole head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Let me draw the whole head real quick. Yeah. So like this, so that the necklines kind of show. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, and then fold it in such a way that only the neckline is showing. Yeah, like this. All right, and then pass right. it along, and I'll draw. Then you draw a body and like do a similar thing, so just like the waist. Mm-hmm. So you're just not doing the legs. Just a torso. Everything but the legs. <laughs> this is a you know, the thing about this is I'm having before I even see it. I have to accept what you drew. You know, I have to accept your your choice. Oh god, I went too large. <laughs> so I've seen your drawing. And like not today, I've just seen uh, stuff you've cheating. drawn before, exactly. I've seen things you've drawn before and you are very talented. And I am not. So when I post this, people are going to see like a very, <laughs> very good looking head <laughs> on like a stupid, stupid body. <laughs> okay. Uh, and now we're just doing legs. Yes. <laughs> so now I, and also we have our original pieces. Yes. So we're finishing <laughs> what we started, sort of. Mm-hmm. Despite what you have drawn. This, what I've just drawn is not even good for what I drew before. (laughs) I forgot what I drew before. (laughs) I did the prompt. I I remember what I drew before, and this would be terrible to put on there. (laughs) I just want anyone who looks at these to just know that I'm the one who messed up. You don't know that. In both drawings. (laughs) Okay. I would just unfold them and see what happened. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Okay. <laughs> Yours is funny. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. Let's go with with uh, yours first. Yeah, we got the the head of a bird. Very cool looking. Kinda like a squawking bird, right. kind of. Um, then like the the torso of what looks like an adult male with a shirt that says "Oh baby" <laughs> and a thumbs up. Yeah, giving a thumbs up, and then um, that's what I a, drew. A plaid skirt and a pair of legs with like high socks and a bunch of tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> and so I drew. A uh, little dog face, like cartoon dog <laughs> yeah. face with the sun, and you drew. So you drew a you drew an environment. This is so Jason. You you focused so much more on like your environment work and like your detailed surroundings, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, what's on the person? Yeah. So this in the middle that you drew is that uh, you with a glass of wine? Is that <laughs> I can see why you'd think. It's going for more of like an old timey swimming costume. <laughs> yes. And then the uh, legs of kind of a dog, but not really. It's like uh, horrifying looking. What we have is like a weird centaur. It's also like, I guess if it is a dog, it's on its way to urinate (laughs) on a fire hydrant. While drinking wine down the street. Oh, goodness gracious. We're going to put these online. Yes, we are. There it is. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. There it is. That's the name of the podcast. Thanks for having me. (laughs) And uh, every Wednesday at Magnet Theater. Every single Wednesday at the Magnet Theater. (laughs) Sexy baby. Sweetheart. Sweetheart. Big whoop. We've mentioned Peter. He's on a team also at the Magnet. Uh, the mythical Peter Appleby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Peter and I have a show coming up on September 8th, actually. Best Friend the Club? Friendship Club. A friendship Club. Best yes. Friend Club. We are best friends, but the show's called The Friendship Club. I'm pretty stoked about it. We're going to um, we're gonna get a, an expert, a scientist, uh, to uh, just talk a little bit about their work. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, educate us a little bit about like biochemistry and then use that as inspiration for our show. So very, That's very excellent. excited about that. Thanks for being here, Ellen. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Ow! There it is! Oh my goodness, what a smart ass. No, no, we love her. We're so glad that she was on the podcast. You can check out those pictures that we drew on thereitispod.com for the blog for this episode. Also on Instagram, because we have an Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, at thereitispod. The Friendship Club is going to be at the Magnet Theater on September 8th, so go check that out. Also, there are some spots open for her next class, which is on September 10th. Hey, that's BF of the show Rob's birthday. Anyway, unrelated, check out all of this information on magnettheater.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter. Links in bio. Well, that's today's episode. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. (laughs) 